We have an issue. Now, I don't plan on being real formal today because I have an announcement to make a little bit later, but I, 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 I just want to deal with this issue. Is that okay? In fact, I've got a whole book coming out on it. I'm doing the final edits on it right now. Here it is. I worked on it about six hours yesterday because once I get something written, it's never written. There's no such thing as final copy. But this is my next national bestseller in the name of Jesus because the church needs it. I feel like folks have been wanting me to speak on this subject because there is so much error being taught and folk being confused. Now far be it from me to ever make waves, but I'm just going to say what God said because I don't take anything else but his word. And uh, so, so this book right now, the working title, I haven't for sure settled on it yet, but the title is A People of Law and Grace because you cannot have glory without government. Okay, it got back about four rows. I'm gonna try, try again. You can't have glory without government. And uh, what it deals with is the subject of grace. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, say that with me. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Now say it all together. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Say it again. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. We don't understand what mercy is. Mercy and grace are not synonymous. And until you learn where grace comes from, you will never understand how to live out grace. Because grace is not grease. Grace does not lift you up. Grace humbles you down. The only way to have a clear perspective of grace is with your knees bowed and your shoulders rounded and looking up from the base of that old rugged, angry, mean, biting beam. Until you have a real revelation of Calvary, you will never understand grace. Let me give you a, let me give you a, few, of the, a, a few of the quotes that I put in here. I, I was gonna preach out of this today, but I, I'm not going to do it. So let me just, let me just give you a, a couple of things. Is that all right? Let, and the, these are not, now you understand, I don't, I don't deal with contemporaries. And the issue in the church is very simple. Uh, contemporaries only listen to contemporaries and they begin to parrot everything that the contemporary is saying. So we never get any deeper. We never go any further. We never spread out any wider. The fact of the matter is that today, in regard to theology, we are a hundred miles wide and a half an inch deep. We, we are all surface, especially about the major doctrines of the church. 
We don't understand what redemption is. So let me just share with you that being relevant is an issue. I'm just letting it sink in. Being relevant is an issue. I preached Dominion Camp Meeting uh, almost a year ago. Don't be relevant. We are revenant. We, we are those that were thought dead, but are coming back to life again. And I'm seeing it as you're allowing me to get back out on the road. And thank you, all of you on Facebook and Twitter, and all of you showing up at these meetings three hours early to get in the doors, because I have a word for you. I've been away in the wilderness for a little bit, and it was not wasted time. So we, we, we misunderstand being relevant. We think being relevant has something to do with being in touch with the culture. But relevant truly has nothing to do with the culture. Jesus was not in step with his culture. Don't shout me down now. Jesus was not in step with his culture. He spoke into the culture and beyond the culture to lead the culture from where it was to where it needed to go. I would wear skinny jeans. I don't have anything against skinny jeans. I just am not skinny. I don't mind that at all. I don't care whether you preach in tennis shoes, Jesus sandals, hipster boots or, or uh, wingtip shoes. I, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, is there oil on your words? Is there fire in your presence? So that, so being relevant is actually being in touch with the issue. And until you know the issue, you will never be relevant. You will, contrarywise, be irrelevant. We got a whole lot of folk that are relevant to the culture and irrelevant in the kingdom. I didn't think I'd have to work this hard. I'm just talking to you. I said, we got a whole lot of folk that are relevant in the culture, but irrelevant in the kingdom. Now the situation is that everything in the kingdom is diametrically opposed and mutually exclusive to everything in the culture you were rescued out of. You didn't hear a word I said. Because the issue in the culture, watch me, is you. Want me to prove it to you? If you'd have been here Wednesday, I cracked the door on this a little bit, cracked the seal on it a little bit, but I can show you whether you are still in the culture or in the kingdom with, with one thing. It don't take me one thing. That your Bible says you ought to be mad. <laughs> you getting this Elkhart? 
the culture says, be nice, accept everybody, and they are the most unaccepting culture that has ever walked the planet. They're not talking about acceptance, they're talking about compliance. You will comply with my belief system or I will make you irrelevant. Well, honey, I'm happy to be tagged irrelevant in this culture. I don't have anything for this culture. And you need to stop yakking like some kind of parrot about your culture. You not in the culture, you in the kingdom. Shove your neighbor and say, get out the culture and get in the kingdom where there's joy and peace and drunkenness and revelry and no hangover. Y'all sit down. He called us out of darkness. Now you have to settle this. Either the culture can save you or you ought to have nothing to do with it. What fellowship hath light with darkness? Let me say it this way. What fellowship has culture with kingdom? We came to rout the culture. We came to impose the kingdom upon the culture, not the reverse. I'm going to preach this sometime. All right. is very simple. The issue is two things, both dependent upon the other. Number one, the kingdom is the great commandment. Now watch how this fits everything. The kingdom is the great commandment. Here it is. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God. Now wait a minute. Stand up, honey. Stand up. 
I only got one, honey. Stand up. Okay, so if I love her, right? If I love her, I'm not going to do things that would hurt her. It took a child to lead you on Wednesday night. And what did she say? Why did David need to slay Goliath of Gath? What? That his God would not be mocked. We have been mocked long enough and we have looked at the culture and said, well, it's not fair. You should quit mocking us. The problem is you still living in us instead of living in kingdom. They can mock you all they want. They can mock me all I want. But when I'm in kingdom, had better not touch God's anointed. Because we'll whip out some miracles on you. We will whoop you with a 55-gallon drum of signs and wonders. We're not backing down. We're not backing up. We're not a pushover. We didn't come to take sides. We came to take over. I came to incite a riot, to affect a divine disturbance in the heart of the church. Hold both hands up as loud as you can and just scream, shake me up, God. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Ah, kingdom, kingdom. We didn't come to ask the culture's permission. We did not come to get the culture to like us. The culture, can you take that off? Jesus just preached wherever he was. The culture is supposed to take you and put you inside its shell and rub on you till it perfects you into a pearl. You're supposed to be uncomfortable around drunks. You're supposed to be uncomfortable in the midst of the off-color, dirty joke crowd. You're supposed to be uncomfortable with things on your TV screen that you wouldn't like me to sit and watch with you.
culture, kingdom. You are in the world, but you are not of it. You are an alien in this culture. You from another world. No, I get no claps now. But I thought we supposed to fit in. Go ahead, Peter. Warm yourself. Snuggle up real close. Get real comfortable. And then deny your Lord three times before the rooster crows. Because you got culture but not kingdom. Oh, Jesus. Kingdom relevance is being connected to the issue. The issue for you is not fitting in. Some entertainer that you're trying to snuggle up to, preacher, so you can get more Facebook likes is all about you. Now, if you're going in there to win them, get them won, and then get on up out of there. I don't have to be you to win you. All I have to have is something you don't possess and want. Somebody shout, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. I said, shout, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. So the issue is, very quickly, wrapping this up, very quickly, the issue is very simply being connected to the commandment. The commandment, you shall love the Lord your God above the NBA. Above Diet Coca-Cola. Above you. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Oh, I'd like to get into how you serve. Because I'm not talking about going through your neighborhood picking up trash. You're not the trash man. You're a kingdom man. You're a kingdom woman. You walk on a higher plane. You exist on a higher level. You have moved on up to the heavenly side. 
encompassed round about with so great a cloud of witnesses, the spirits of just men made perfect, surrounded not by a guardian angel, some little fat-bellied cherub, surrounded by legions of mighty angelic hosts. Oh, good God Almighty. Secondly, kingdom is the great commission. Great command, great commission. Go into all the earth. Preach the gospel to every creature. Now Jesus said, we should begin at Jerusalem, then spread on out to Judea, then spread on out to Samaria, then spread on out to the uttermost part of the earth. Problem is, we haven't made it next door yet. Great Commission, you shall go to church. See, that's an issue. We think being in kingdom is going to church. You can go to a barn, don't make you a cow. I'd hate to be that crude. You can spend a night in your garage, don't make you a car. You can hang out in here every Sunday and not be kingdom. No, you're not kingdom. You kingdom when you go. The Holy Ghost is not so you can practice your tongue and how silvery tongued your tongue is to all your friends in church. Where, here's another sermon. Where has the go gone? 600,000 people within 12 miles of where I'm standing. 600,000 people. How, how many people live in Louisville, Pastor? Huh? About a million. A city is within 12 miles of where we're sitting. 600,000 people. 500 and 76,000 of which will never enter a church except for a funeral or a wedding. Oh, you fooled the Holy Ghost. When's the last time, not, not did you bring anybody, that you even invited anybody to be with you in church? In church. 
Well, of course the Pakistani does because they know about evangelism. In America, we were spoiled by Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, James Robeson. We were spoiled that the way to evangelize was to have a big meeting and a big name preacher and them give an altar call and 5,000 people get born again. That day is over, have you noticed? Then when are preachers going to be brave enough to place squarely on the shoulders of spirit-filled believers that that 600 and that 574,000 people are our responsibility. Oh, don't tell them that, Pastor. If you require anything of them, they won't come back. Then they not kingdom. I'm preaching right now, man. Well, I feel dominion camp meeting coming. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I may be making you feel convicted. Because conviction is to your spirit what pain is to your body. And conviction and pain feel the same. And both of them have a greater work. If I don't have pain, I read an article on a little girl, something awry in her neurological system, and she cannot feel pain. You say, oh, I'd like to be her. No, you wouldn't. You could walk on the beach, cut your foot on a glass, and bleed to death and never know it. And the church is bleeding to death in the pews, and we don't even know it. Lay your hands on your belly and scream as loud as you can. God, give me a go. God, give me a go. God, give me a go. It'll come. I just got to preach it a while. You'll get it. I just got to preach it a while. Hallelujah. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Don't raise your hands, but how many times this week did you sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you said nothing? Tell them God loves them. You ought to invite that hairdresser to church. She's standing there telling you all her woes and all her troubles and all her problems. And never one time did you say, you know what? I found an answer. Would you, would you consider coming with me on Sunday morning? I'll buy you breakfast. You felt that prompting, but you did nothing because you're bound by the culture that wants you to be quiet. If they can keep you in here screaming as loud as you can and silent out there, they've accomplished their task. Uh, you were shouting good a minute ago. Let me get some more tea. For all you on Facebook and Twitter, this is tea. 
it's not spiked with anything. Oh, Jesus. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Listen to this. Repentance, true repentance, was never produced in any man's heart apart from the grace of God. You might just as well expect a leopard to regret the blood with, it, with which its fangs are moistened as expect the sinner to make any confession or offer any repentance that shall be accepted by God unless grace shall first draw that heart. This is grace that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is grace like this. Let me give you another one. I have never met a person over which I could despair or lose all hope for after discerning what lies in me Apart from the grace of God. It's a beautiful way of saying if God and His grace can reach me, it can make the vilest sinner clean. I see. Ya. Let me give you another tidbit. Let me give you grace means undeserved kindness. It is the gift of God. But see, see our problem, our issue is the minute I say that, you think of everything natural and nothing spiritual. When I say to the modern church, grace is unmerited favor, what they hear is I can do anything I want and I'm covered. Are you the church that can handle this? I'm just asking you a question because I got an announcement to make in a minute. Can you handle this phase of this preacher? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to overstay my welcome. I don't want to preach to folks that don't understand what I'm saying. Kingdom or culture. No man can serve two masters for he will love the one and hate the other or he will hate the one love the one and despise the other man cannot serve God and mammon I'm not talking about a decision I'm talking about a conversion 
A decision is whether you want a Big Mac or a quarter pounder with cheese. A conversion affects your eternity. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that men are converted and become new creatures. Oh, Jesus. There's a distinction to be drawn between saving and living grace. Grace is not the absence of law any more than peace is the absence of war. The curse of the law is not that the law is cursed, but rather in our previous inability to keep the law. You can keep the law. You must keep the law. Jesus fulfilled it. Modern preachers would say Jesus canceled it. Not so. The law is our tutor. The law is our guide. The law is our protection. The law sets boundaries, not only for you, but for your adversary. No, I can't. It's going to take the whole book, isn't it? It's just going to take the whole book. Listen to this. Second Peter 1 verse 10, therefore brothers, diligently, diligently with all of your strength, make your calling and your election sure. Election is salvation. Make sure of your salvation. Oh, that that would ring from the pulpits of America again. Be sure. Be very sure. The old song said, your anchor grips and holds that solid rock. That rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. That rock is Jesus, God's only son. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor grips and holds that. For if you do this, you will never stumble. How powerful you will never stumble. For in doing this, you secure entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. How do I get in? How do I get out of the culture and in the kingdom? 
How do I get to the place where I become a thermostat and not a thermometer? How do I get to the point where I control the atmosphere around me? How do I get to the point where I walk in faith and never fear? How do I get to the point that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know I'm on my way to heaven? How do I know? Somebody just go, woo! I don't know if you can handle me anymore. I believe you can. Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how can I make more money? Lord, how can I be victorious? Lord, how can I have the big house and the new car? Lord, how can I have everything that I want. No, 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 no. What must I do to be born again? What must I do? Here's what it said. I've got all the money in the world. I've got all the religious trappings in the world. I am highly regarded. I am a man among men. Others bow down at my presence, but God, I can control the culture, but I'm still empty. What must I do to receive eternal life? You must be born again. His response translates into a question that presupposes impossibility. God has made this thing so powerful that yet by him it is impossible. It is impossible for you to put off the old man with its lusts and its desires. It is impossible. This is the issue with the modern church. We think we can metamorphosize our way into what only can be acquired through death. Get me all over America preaching this. We'll have a revival. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Our issue is, it seems that it's an impossibility that a man could enter into his mother's womb and be born a second time. Let me tell you something. It's way more supernatural than that. 
Thank you for your popcorn praise. It cannot be accomplished in the flesh, nor by the will of men, nor by heritage and metamorphosis by coming to church. You can come to church and memorize every line of 1,166 pages and never make it to heaven. It's not about coming to church. You see, I'm, I'm closing. Sin separates us from God. Let me, let me make it as simple as I can. You are not a sinner separated from God because you sinned. Has nothing to do with it. You sin because you're a sinner. Sinners sin. But there's something so supernatural that God wants to happen in your life that it is greater than if you could enter your mother's womb and be born a second time. He wants to give you spiritual life. Spiritual power. Not power just to shout and dance and talk in tongues. Power to as many as received him. To them he gave power to become the sons of God, even as many as believed upon him. So believing is secondary to receiving. You missed it. We constantly say, just believe on him and you'll be saved. Not if you don't receive him. You have to receive him. You have to crown him Lord of all. King of everything. I believe you're doing it. I believe you're doing it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.